I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Tri-tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Good morning, if we were riding. Sarah Gross here. Um, Sorry about my morning voice. I haven't spoken to anyone but you all (laughs) yet today. So uh, if we were riding, I would have morning voice. So here we are. Um, I'm I'm totally going to start with throwing Sarah under the bus because she, I sent her a message yesterday asking if we could record a little earlier than normal. Um, And she said she had packed up all her recording equipment and laptop and it it was traveling to Utah. So she wasn't able to record. Uh, So it's, it's only me. But I have a super special episode for y'all this week, uh, because on Monday we launched our eighth feisty podcast, the feisty women's performance podcast. It's the eighth podcast, but the sixth one that is currently running, currently creating episodes. And I wanted to give everyone sort of an inside view about what we're up to at feisty, why this particular podcast is so important to me and why I decided to make time to actually be the host of it. And, um, yeah, and, and lots of good things. So, um, I've got some great things to say and also we'll, uh, listen to the episode as well a bit later. So stay tuned. Every day there seems to be a new wellness trend, like eat this, do this, avoid those scary things. And how do we know where to start and who to trust? Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analyzing your blood DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. This provides you with a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and includes tests that we need as athletes but aren't traditionally included, like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part is that they don't just give you the data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. So for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our If We Were Riding listeners 25% off their entire store. So just go to insidetracker.com forward slash riding. That's insidetracker.com forward slash riding as in if we were change is an inside job, start inside. If We Were Riding is a feisty podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at If We Were Riding. And we love hearing from our feisty friends. So please send us a voicemail at sarah at livefeisty.com. That's Sarah without an H. Right. So just grab your phone, record an audio file and email it to me and we will love it and love you forever. Okay, I'm also aware that we've heard from a few listeners about the 
me borrowing a cat issue. <laughs> so I just want everyone to know that I'm, I'm just waiting for Sarah to come back to give the neighborhood cat update. Um, and thank you for everyone who wrote to us about that. Um, I will respond to those things and also chat with Sarah about it. Uh, hopefully next week, if she doesn't pack her computer somewhere else and is unable to record with me. Um, okay, so let's talk about the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. So this podcast is going to be coming out on Mondays. Uh, and essentially what I'm doing as the host and with our team, with Carrie and Catherine, we're gathering trusted information so women can feel and perform their best. And we're doing that through the weekly podcast and also at our Feisty Women's Performance Summit, which this year is going to be March 25th to 27th. Um, and this year, really, uh, the first, like Q our Q1, essentially, like our first quarter goal in Feisty is just to really create a lot of value around topics related to women's performance and really get that focus on that brand and get it, get it out into the world, but also um, really focus on getting that trusted information. Um, so for me, like when I think about why, you know, I've been doing feisty for like, we're coming up on five years now, I've hosted a number of different podcasts. I started, I started hosting iron women before that I hosted other podcasts with wisp sports. Uh, we I've been doing this weekly fun thing with first Kelly and then Sarah, um, as you all know, for several years, four years, we're over four years now. And so why do a new podcast? Um, I'm also like plenty busy. Like we're at a point with our business right now where, you know, there's lawyers uh, where we have to make sure all our contracts are lined up, uh, getting our trademarks figured out and our sorting our IP needs. I'm also, you know, doing, helping out doing hiring and making sure our making sure our organizational structure works. There's good systems in place, communication. Like there's just a lot of, this isn't me just like bitching about my job. I absolutely love my job, but just to say there's a lot, you know, there's a lot going on and making the bandwidth for this. Um, I it needed to be something that was going to be super, that was super important to me and that I felt was like really important to our brand. And so like the reason for that for me is because when I saw sort of some of the, when I put the different pieces together of like basic stats that I think a lot of us have already heard, but when you pull them together, it created this like aha moment where I saw something that I couldn't unsee. So like when you take to me, the shocking stat that like, despite all efforts in 2014 to 2020, still only 6% of exercise science studies are done exclusively on women. And what that means is like, while there's women included in other studies, that there's sometimes, sometimes there's not, frankly, um, there's nothing built into most of the studies to actually take into account the difference in physiology, in our female physiology, the differences. Um, and that, that like, so the outcomes of those studies, like we'll never know whether they actually apply to us as women from 94% of the studies, um, which is crazy. And when you think about how like exercise physiology or sports science, that is the study of human potential right? Like that is where we figure out physical human potential, try to figure out how to be better, how to push ourselves more, be faster, jump higher, be stronger. And we're literally still ignoring women. The gender pay gap in pro sports also completely blows my mind and 
sometimes I wonder like why more people aren't more upset about this in terms of like the billions and billions of dollars that we put into industries like football, baseball, basketball, we put into those sports and we pay those athletes millions. We pay many, many athletes, male athletes, millions of dollars. And like most, still most pro women in most sports are struggling to pay rent. The gap is insanely huge in that realm, specifically in pro sports. And then you bring in like the fact that girls are still dropping out of sport at twice the rate of boys, uh, which is widely problematic. The fact that we know that executives and leaders played competitive sports as young people, right? So like we're literally shackling our girls in terms of their future potential in leadership by not creating that like not just access to sports, but also it's like, also we don't have a culture where girls see that pro sports or they, they, they don't see that many heroes. Like there's a, there's some Serena Williams in the world for sure. And I'm so grateful, grateful for all of those women who have broken through to that next level. But like, if you think of how many men are in that same group, like we just, it's just doesn't compare. Um, now I'm ranting, but this is my women's performance rant. So, hey, <laughs> um, then you bring in the fact that I'm still, t- I'm pulling out my data points, right? Like then you b- bring out the fact that like, there's still a crazy amount of messaging in fitness, in the fitness industry and in culture. What I see, like, I don't spend that much time scrolling on Instagram, but that mess, the messaging around how our bodies are supposed to look, um, how we're like, we can drink special tea to make the effects of menopause go away. That's the craziest one I've seen lately. How our faces are supposed to look like the messaging is still off and terrible. The products that are created for women are often created not to help us thrive, but to help create solve a perceived problem that's actually created by the industry itself. So you take that data point and then it's like also the fact that like we know that on average women still don't feel as comfortable in um, gyms and it spo- sports related air spaces in our culture as men do. And so you have that kind of like that sense that um, that we don't belong. Um, and not everyone feels that I get it. It's like on average. So if you put all of those things, all of those things I just listed together to me, that's mind blowing. Something needs to be done. Like we could, we're looking at a shift in our culture that's needed in order for women to truly thrive and to get the best out of our bodies through our lives, um, to become, to continue to become leaders and actually like, like live up to our human potential. So that <laughs> is why this is so important to me. So we are, um, so what I'm going to do with this podcast, what we're going to do as a team is pull in some experts who have inf- information, specific information that can help us as individual women. And we'll, we'll vet that information. So nobody's going to be selling you special teas on our podcast. Although I do interestingly have a first sponsor. Oh, this is like inside information for you if you were writing people. Um, I do have a sponsor that is, our first sponsor is a lube sponsor. So I'm going to have to find a sex expert pretty quick to come talk on the podcast, um, which I'm pretty excited about. Okay. So anyway, so how I'm going to do this with the performance podcast is talk about performance in our four pillars, which are physiology, nutrition, mental health, and culture. And we actually totally believe that 
uh, you have to take a multidisciplinary view on performance. You can't, um, you can't separate those factors necessarily. So that's how I'm going to proceed when I talk to our guests. Because really, when we realize that women have been ignored in sports and fitness by design, right, then it's the, uh, the degree of disruption that will happen when we start speaking up and when we start having good information in it's insane and it blows my mind. So I'm so excited. Uh, what we're going to do here on this episode, for those who attended our live launch on Monday of the new podcast, this we're doing a replay of the podcast here on If We Were Riding Today. So if you want to hear it again, please continue to listen. Uh, for those who couldn't make it, we're going to play it for you right now. So I had Dr. Stacey Sims, Celine Yeager, who's the host of our Hit Play Not Pause podcast, longtime journalist in the fitness industry. And I had Jamila Gale Eggins, who's a retired army officer and who is the head of our triathlon community. She is, she actually came up with some great wisdom as well. So I have this great panel discussion, which I'm going to throw on this feed here right now. And for those who want to hear it every week, uh, go to your podcast app, look for Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and subscribe. And I hope to see you over there too. But of course, don't leave, don't abandon us here on If We Were Riding because um, I love you all for continuing on this journey with us and with Sarah and I, which will continue to be a different, a different, you know what Sarah and I do. We normally just come and talk about whatever we want as if we were riding. And we are going to continue to do that every week as long as Sarah doesn't pack up her microphone and computer uh, and send it and ship it away so she can't record. <laughs> And also for those who are interested, we did create a code for the live launch on Monday for the performance summit in March. So if you want to come to that, it's actually $149 for the all access pass, which means you get access to the recordings for, um, I forget how long, but several months after the event itself. I think it might be till the end of the year. Um, so if you want that early, you get $50 off of that 149. So it's, it's under a hundred dollars then to come to the women's performance summit in March, which is virtual. Uh, so you don't even have to get on a plane. So that code is early bird 50 and we're going to leave it open for podcast listeners only, or it's going to be in our show notes, uh, for you all to be able to use that code for the next I don't know, week or so, I'd say week or so. So if you're listening to this and you didn't get a chance to use that early bird code, go ahead and use it early bird 50 and sign up for the annual pass to the summit. Okay. Enjoy my conversation with Stacy, Celine and Jamila. Welcome to the first episode and live recording of the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast, where our goal is to bring trusted information to women so we can feel and perform our best. I am Sarah Gross, your host for this evening. I'm super stoked about this new podcast, as well as our Women's Performance Summit that we're launching tonight. Stay with me because I'm hoping everyone's going to learn something tonight so you can feel and perform your best. I, myself, I was a pro triathlete for 14 years. I'm a two-time Ironman champion. I have a PhD in women's history, um, which means that I sort of dug into feminist methodologies around how we 
put women back onto the pages of history. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Feisty Media, where our goal is to create an empowering culture for active women. I think that phraseology with empowering culture is really intentional on our part in terms of our goal. We often talk about empowering women to do things, which is amazing and fantastic. And I want everyone to feel empowered, but without a culture that is actually empowering and supports the things that we're doing, we only get halfway there. So one of our goals is to help change that culture for everyone. So tonight... We are launching this new podcast, but also I'm just basically giving away the ending now. Our tickets are going on sale for the Women's Performance Summit. So this year we're hosting our second annual Women's Performance Summit. It's March 25th to 27th and it's virtual. Uh, so every anyone can come super easy. You don't have to fly across the country and you can win two tickets to that tonight here if you participate with us in the chat. Um, so my team, oh, I can see them commenting. Basically, the more you comment, the more chances you have to win. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to introduce our tonight's panel now. First up, we have retired Army officer, former USAT com committee member, triathlon coach, and our feisty community innovator, and actually general bringer of hilarity, I would say. No pressure, Jamila. Jamila Gale Eggins. Welcome, Jamila. Hey, so thanks. Now I feel like I have to bring it. Like <laughs> <laughs> You definitely do. I was like, oh, how's she going to feel about bringer of hilarity? <laughs> I do my best. Yeah, you do. You do well. Um, okay, our second panelist is a pioneering researcher, innovator, and entrepreneur in the women's performance space. She's the co-author of Roar and Next Level, which is the not-so-secret book that's coming out this year. Uh, she sells her online courses at drstacysims.com, and she speaks frequently to audiences around the world, although mostly virtual, in the last couple of years. Dr. Stacy Sims. Hello. Hey, Stacy. How are Welcome. you? Thanks. Um, okay. And our third panelist, the host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast, co-author of Roar and Next Level with Dr. Stacy Sims, one of the leaders the main leader of the Feisty Menopause Membership and Online Group, a longtime endurance athlete and writer in the health and performance space, Celine Yeager. Celine, welcome. Hi. Oh, everyone's saying hi. So can we all give a little bit of love in the chat to, uh, to our panelists? So last year, as mentioned, and some of you, it sounds like you were there, I can see in the chat, uh, Feisty Media saw a need to host a Women's Performance Summit. And this was because we had observed that there's a lot of BS information, right, Celine? Um, <laughs> I, I always hear Celine's voice in my head when I say that line. I think you, were, you coined the phrase, you coined the use of bullshit in our search <laughs> you. Um, out there for women coming for, to in the fitness and health industries. And that gets even worse as we get older. Uh, we saw the need to bring together trusted sources to get good information into the hands of active women. So Stacey, let's start with you here. You were a pioneer in the realm of exercise science. And uh, I think you were one of the people, or if not the first person to kind of put up your hand and say, wait a second. <laughs> If we don't Hold study on. Women, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we don't study women, how do we know if the research results apply to us? And I'm sure things have changed a little bit, but by how much? That's kind of my question. What do you see as the biggest change in the in sports science? Um, and what new directions are you seeing that will help women? 
I'd like to be more optimistic, but um, it's still very slow in the process. We're seeing better methodology, but there's still a lot of pushback. Um, and there's large voices within the research community that's like, wait, there's no evidence. And the reason why they're saying there's no evidence is because there's not enough studies done. So when we start going through all the stuff and disseminating down to what actually is happening, there are a few key studies that are starting to come out that's really showing that there are differences. We need to pay attention to them. But then it always ends up with we need more research. So then one of the problems there are the research dollars. A lot of them aren't like we look at the stats and we know that papers where women are PIs are not as publishable or as often published as men. So you still have that discrepancy. And part of funding is how well are you published? So there's still a lot of work to go in the science department. But on the flip side of it, the conversation is being pushed out there. So more and more people are asking for it. And more that we ask for it, the more the research dollars become available and the more authors get slammed if they don't follow proper methodological procedures, which is great. And I am one of those reviewers is like, what do you mean? You can't study women and throw them all with the men and disseminate it out. So mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So you're seeing like the public, kind of the public outcry for information that I see all over, of course, my Instagram feed and elsewhere that's creating change in the, in the science world. Yeah, it's it's uh, from either side. It's like you're having people are really interested. I get email requests to be a student all the time. People wanting to be PhDs and study female athlete stuff. And then they're getting out into um, like the starting part of their academic career. And then we have other people who are at my level who have been doing this for a while who then are able to publish more because they have people working with them more. And so mm. it, it's kind of a snowball effect, which is great. Mm hmm. Amazing. And Celine, what about you? Like what changes have you seen kind of in the fitness industry and also in the media? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I mean, I'm a, I'm a rose colored glasses kind of girl. So I, I try to see the good stuff first. Uh, you know, there are, there are definitely improvements in you are seeing a wider representation of body sizes, body shapes. You're seeing sort of the, I wanted to say the demise of the whole beach body thing, but that's not true because it's still now it's called wellness, you know, so, but they still sort of like slide that in there. And you know, there's still so much uh, low carb, no carb. It's it's still so much of the emphasis in my opinion is still too much on what you see in the mirror, you know, and not, and, mm -hmm. and they just still, they just call that wellness. As far as like women being represented in, you know, in women's specific training and nutrition, there's definitely a hunger for that, which is great to see. You know, I, I have been invited to talk about menopause on many traditional male spaces, which has been really encouraging, frankly. I mean, I'm really happy to see that. I think, um, I think one of the problems that I see emerging is that, you know, back in the day, to disseminate your information, you would have to sort of be published in a magazine or get a book or, you know, some get interviewed by somebody. But with the rise of TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, you know, it's great because it's an equalizer in some ways, but it's also problematic because if you're good at those places, you can push out any bullshit you want and mm -hmm. you can get millions of people to follow you. Right. So that's a little bit of a double edged sword that I'm definitely seeing come into play, especially as uh, we have sort of raised this conversation. There's a lot of people coming in and it's creating noise, you know, it's creating a lot of noise. And so I do think that, you know, what you're doing here is, is pretty important because it's only going to get louder. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, I see, and I, you probably see the same thing. And I'd love to know if it's affecting the industry is there's a lot of outcry for a greater variety of women rep- represented, you know, like different ages or different body types too, in terms of who we consider an athlete. Do you yeah. see that affecting some of the ways that decisions about what story gets published um, are happening or what images get published? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And not, and, and in a largely positive way, you know, I mean, in my own career, and I've spoken very, very publicly about this, it, there, the, it used to be very limited in what you considered healthy or an athlete, you know, mm-hmm. as far as the images, especially in a place like bicycling, you know, where I've spent so much of my career. And, you know, I remember one of the very early features that I wrote was on sort of like, get there, stay there, your ideal racing weight, you know, racing weight was so popular. And, you know, we did all these formulations and I kept wanting to be like, can we just make people strong? And, you know, this whole thing. And, you know, now the cover of bicycling literally this month is like, it's all like, get strong. You know, there, there is no one weight that's, that's magical. So there's been some improvements there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And audience, have you all seen improvements? I'd love to know. Note in there while I ask Jamila the same question, because I'm thinking Jamila, like as a retired army officer, right? Maybe this is thinking maybe this is my bias coming through, but maybe you've seen a little bit of BS in your time. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, just a small bit. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, one of the bigger challenges is the military is a culture inside of a culture, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, if you think about just outside of the military, um, just intensify that. So everything we did was based off of males um, to the point where, I mean, our top leadership for the majority of the time I was in was all male because they said women weren't strong enough to serve in combat specific jobs. Well, the combat specific jobs are the people who got the top leadership. So, and by that, you know, you weren't going to lead past a certain point. Um, and so uh, I've seen a lot of change, a lot of change, um, mostly with uh, the the opening up of the combat arms MOS and women proving that I mean they they could carry their load like their share uh, mm-hmm. since 2019 I think we have 75 females who have graduated Ranger School uh, that's a lot and it and they're just proving that you know that earlier ideal that we can't do it is not necessarily true um, so yeah I've I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Like, have they seen CrossFitters, <laughs> for example? Uh, you know, like, so, when I think about so, female CrossFitters, like, going out and doing an army training, it feels like. Yeah. You know, well, like so the did. problem is just the percentage of representation. Like, there's yeah. not a lot of females in the military. Most of them don't stay because it's not accommodating to different, you know, aspects of life. When you have, if you have two service members that are married, it is more likely that the woman will get out of the service and assume the caretaker role than the male. So, you know, you have those influences on military service and the higher up you get, just the fewer there are. Um, So they're there. Like I know lots of badass, you know, women. And I also know badass women who made the choice not to stay in that type of culture and environment. So. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, folks are saying at home, you know, that I've seen that too, like that strong is the new skinny. Now I'm just reading between the lines of the comments, but there seems to be a general trend to that kind of more positive messaging. Um, 
still lots of fake acceptance and for show equality. Um, that's true. Julie, I now lift heavy shit at age 53 and feel stronger than ever. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Like I was a pro triathlete for 14 years and I feel stronger having taken up lifting as part of CrossFit, right? Like it's um, the things we never knew, right? <laughs> which I probably should have done all along, but there was no research to show that. So. <laughs> okay, so we're calling this new podcast the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. Um, and the word performance, you know, I've heard this already from folks as we've kind of been building up to this launch this week, like it's often associated with elite athletes, but we're defining performance as something that every woman deserves to have. So Jamila, I want to ask you this first, what does it mean for you to focus on performance in your life? Oh, man, um, so many things. But I guess the question is this, you know, all that I have, is this where I want to be? in this space. And so I think a lot of us just accept, I can't lift, I can't do this because you don't do it. And so kind of challenging the question and and answering the question, like, do you want to lift more? Do you want to get better at this? And then spending the time doing it, um, you know, it, it's, it's intimidating, right, to go into the gym for the first time and not know how to use the equipment and the fear of like, everyone's kind of, you feel like everyone's looking at you, but if anybody lifts, you know, no one's looking at you. They're all (laughs) in the mirror critiquing themselves. Um, (laughs) But so for me, it's, and it's in all areas, right? Is this it? You know, like this, this whole thing that we're doing now started with a question. Like you don't have to accept the status quo. You don't have to accept that, you know, the space that you're currently in is where you have to stay. And if there's, another direction you want to go, regardless if there's representation there or not, like start asking those questions, start taking those steps um, and and improve in that area. And so I was very scared of the gym um, three years ago. And then I went on to actually love the gym. I love the gym um, almost as much as I love the other three sports. Uh, (laughs) But it, it started with a question like, why don't you lift? Why don't you do more in a gym? Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that you brought up first, like when you started talking about strength training, the first thing you're talking about is your comfort level in the gym. And I think that's an experience that a lot of women have it, to different extents or in different ways, like how comfortable we feel in the space. It's like the first barrier before we even get to the science, you know, or how we lift or how we're including lifting into our programs. So that's why we like to talk about things in a multidisciplinary way, which we will talk about a bit further. Yeah. Well, and just one more thing, like we're marketed that we don't go to the gym, right? Whenever Mm -hmm. there is someone working out in a gym and it's not a female. And so you have the dumbbells at home on your Peloton. um, And that is your, your strong box. And then the rest of this is marketed to the males. And so it's hard to see yourself in a place when every time you turn on the TV, like, the, the the workout for you is in your home. Like you have to stay home and you can only work out within these, you know, confounds or these constraints. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, Celine, the hit play, not pause community, you know, we found this massive group of women in their forties, fifties, sixties, some even older and myself included too. And we're simply not willing to kind of like <laughs> lay down and die, if you will. <laughs> what does it mean to continue to focus on performance as we age? And and what does that mean for you too? Well, I think it's the recognition that, that performance is for life, right? You know, I mean, I remember 
there was a point at which I was like, am I going to do this forever? And then I was like, well, why can't I do this forever? I, you know, I think mm-hmm. that we've, we've always thought of, uh, athletes as having a finite career because you can't, you know, you can't stand on top of the top box of the world forever. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that, that, that has a shelf life, you know, but, but most of us are, we're recreational lifestyle athletes, mm-hmm. which means that we actually, we can pursue this as, as long as we want to. And, you know, I see that in, in the, the audience that they're still super engaged. They still want to pursue things. And when you look at it for the long game, you know, a lot of times you want to shake things up and you want to try to do different things. And, and, and performance for life is all about that. You know, it's about looking at like, do I want to keep doing the same races over and over? Maybe not. Maybe I want to try CrossFit or maybe I want to take up, you know, yoga or try these other things. And it's just having the curiosity and the engagement and the belief that you can. And, and it comes back to representation too. You know, that's that when we started hit play, not pause, I think the biggest thing that we did was like help all these women see each other. Yeah, totally. Um, Stacey, I'm going to come to you, but I want the audience to let us know um, what does it mean to focus on performance for you all? A lot of people are answering already. I see people that do hits training, the recreational lifestyle athlete. I think we all deserve to feel good, but I, I, I've been thinking lately too about how you like Sometimes if I stop doing something, I recognize as I age that if I stop doing something, it's going to be harder to come back. Right. And then trying to frame like, okay, what, with that in mind, what do I want the future to look like? So I actually want to be able to do like lots of fun things right in the future. So how many, like how much variety of stuff do I have to continue to do, whether that's in the CrossFit gym or elsewhere to keep me in that place where I can keep doing all of the things. Stacey, I know you're like a super active person personally. When, when I went to New Zealand, she almost killed us on the, the no. Stacey Sims training <laughs> program. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts like for yourself personally about keeping active as you get older? I do it because it's my own space, right? And I've been doing something since I was 13. And now I just want to be able to do adventures. Like Jara, my daughter's gotten into surf lifesaving. And it's a sport that's not really there in the States. I didn't even, I don't grow up with it, but they grew up with it here. Every Sunday morning, you go to nippers at the beach, you're learning how to go in and out. You're on the board, you're learning to surf. And people are like, why are you doing that? I'm like, um... Okay, but it's a challenge, it's an adventure. So now everything I do is like, how can I beat her? <laughs> right? So I have to be strong. I have to be able to balance. I'm learning to jump up on the surfboard, catch a wave, that kind of stuff, but totally not in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so being active is, is not so much as how am I going to be able to race my bike? Cause those times have sailed. Like I don't have the drive to be competitive bike racing. I have the drive to get up the hill as fast as I can and see if I got a Strava segment, but that's about the extent of competitiveness. <laughs> but now it's how can I be strong to do all these other new adventures that come? Cause I want an adventure every day mm-hmm. and that's how I view it. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Someone saying continue to race tries and road races injury free. I like that. Christine challenging myself and continuously learning. Okay, so on this podcast and at our Women's Performance Summit, uh, we're going to talk about performance in four pillars. So that's physiology, nutrition, mental health, and culture. And I truly believe that like, we need to take that multidisciplinary approach to performance. So Stacy, at our Menifaz Summit last year, you gave an amazing talk about, it started with like an overview of the historical and cultural factors 
that affect the approach then that is taken in, the, in your world of research on how we sort of how we see research about women. So can you tell us like how history, how you see history and culture affecting your work as a researcher? Yeah. And it's not just um, the research angle. It's, it, it stems from everything. It's like uh, I was having a conversation on an earlier podcast I was on today about how the patriarchy has kind of shaped how we are supposed to perceive ourselves with regards to performance. Like you're talking about earlier, like being in the gym, how uncomfortable you are in the gym. And it's because when we're represented with that idea of going to the gym, what do we think of? We think about Mr. Olympia, right? And so women aren't, aren't really welcomed in that space. And it's been that way for so long until recently. And so people were making those steps in, but it's still kind of a taboo for women to be in the weight room, taking the weights and not sharing like the guys do, right? Mm. So we look at how everything is, the vision and the scope has always been viewed. It stems from way back when men thought that they should be educated and women shouldn't. And men should be medical. And so the women who had been the healers and the providers were now being burned at the stake as witches because it was uncertainty and it threatened the men. And our whole culture has been involved that way. So everything that we talk about and doing from coaching protocols, the coaching space, even the racing space, right? The transitions are set up particularly for men. There are no menstrual products anywhere, right? And a lot of women have their period when they're racing. And there's no setup for that. There's no setup for um, women who might not want to get changed in front of everyone in the transition tent because of cultural aspects, because it hasn't been anything there for, like, it hasn't been the conversation in the male environment. So we take that forward into even my space, the research space. Yeah, so maybe we do have scientific design and methods that take into account the menstrual cycle. Maybe that's set up. But then the tests themselves are still based on male protocols, like the Wingate test, which is typical for looking at anaerobic performance in people, but it's just done on men, and the protocol is done on men. If we think about um, some of the uh, VO2 max tests, the scaling and the increments still based on men. So none of the actual protocols mm-hmm. have changed yet. So we really need to think about, okay, how is this applicable to the energy systems that women use? And people are like, but what do you mean? I was like, well, women fuel differently than men during exercise. We have less um, creatine than men. So our ability to do the short power stuff is different from men. So we have to look at those particular test protocols in order to get adequate data. And so when we're looking at how patriarchy scopes everything until we can break out of that complete male lens and really disseminate it down, not only to scientific design, but the actual protocols that we're putting in, this is where I'm like, we still have a long way to go. Because when you say something like, well, coaching hasn't caught up in 20 years, but now people are starting to do menstrual cycle coaching, but they still put it in the too hard basket and they might just say, oh, track on Garmin, but that's not really doing anything. It's not telling you anything specific about your female athlete. It's just saying, yeah, she has a period. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of education that still needs to happen to be able to break that historical and cultural infusion that has happened in so many of the ways that we operate. Yeah. What you're talking about is actually crazy. If you think about it, (laughs) like that, the, like the actual protocols of the way that we test VO2 backs as in like the maximum, like someone's maximum aerobic ability, a human are not designed for women. So like, we actually don't have proper evidence on any, it's like, it's, it's like, 
it's encouraging in a way because because it's like, oh, look at how far we have to go. Like if you feel like your training's not working, right? Or if you feel like there's something amiss or that you, like I do a little bit feel like I look forward to a next generation that's going to have better information than I did during my pro career, you know? Yeah. And, and it encourages me that like we can even help um, bridge that gap between performance, between men and women too. Like right now, this kind of this, st- this standard acceptance that men are going to be a certain percentage better than women at certain different percentages with different types of things, whether you're doing strength or aerobic or whatever. But like, I think we can start to really bridge that at bigger steps once we start understanding like how to test and improve female physiology. So it's like, it's like (laughs) to me, I mean, I don't know. Um, And I'm like, I'm at this age and I'm talking about this and I need the younger generation to come and push it. Right. mm -hmm. Cause still like people are like, well, what do you mean? I just did the Bronco test, which is standard in rugby to test how powerful you are. And I was like, but if you look at the Bronco test, that doesn't work for women. Well, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. We always use it. And I was like, but, and so it's this, those conversations still where people are so tagged into this is how we've always done it, but we're Mm -hmm. trying to accommodate women. Mm -hmm. And so it's trying to get people to understand it's not just menstrual cycle. (laughs) It's not just not having a menstrual cycle. It's like actual genetic, like what's going on, how having an ovary or having ovaries affects everything. And we need to rethink about how we are testing women. Right. And like the, the, I feel like for a lot of people, cause it feels like a lot to me, right? Like the idea of starting over, it's like burn it all down, <laughs> start over with the new yeah. protocols for or new tests that are going to actually work for women. Like it, it does feel like a lot. So I see where I see why there might be a reaction for folks to just go, Oh no, oh, yeah. no, no. How we do yeah. it is fine. Like it's yeah. always worked. I like, I can't be bothered kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Where if someone were to go, here is a couple of million dollars for research funding. What study mm -hmm. are you going to redo? I'd be like, I'm going to redo them all. (laughs) (laughs) Start with like the simple aerobic tests that we do. Yeah. So even the ones we do in the lab, like ventilatory threshold, that's not accounting for menstrual cycle or not having a menstrual cycle, knowing that that changes across hormone perturbations. So there's all these things that I'd like to just redo. millions of dollars who wants right. to fund female specific research we're here for it we have an excellent researcher ready to ready to lead the charge um <laughs> to lead back to our original question like why do you think it's important to look at performance through a variety of lenses oh boy i mean we we talk about that every week on the podcast mm-hmm. honestly it because um because performance is so much more than can I run a seven minute mile? You know, I mean, it's like, it's how do you feel? It's, it's how you're relating to your body. It's how you're relating to um, what performance does for you on a mental level, on a physical level. I mean, and it's like everything that you've said, it's just, it's performance. Performance is such a broad, broad topic. And, and when you, when you view it narrowly, that's when you start dropping out. And that's what we see in our audience, right? Like, you know, as soon as you hit a point where things aren't working the same way, or maybe you don't see people of your demographic, then you're just like, okay, that's, this is not for me anymore. I'm not a performance person. And that's, you have to like broaden that scope to be able to, um, to see yourself and to, and to enjoy yourself, frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jamila? Why do you think it's important that we look through a variety of lenses? 
Well, you know, just to piggyback off of what Celine said, you, in the triathlon space as a African American woman, like there there wasn't a lot of representation. And so for me, it gave me permission not to try my best in certain areas. Like, oh, like my swim, you know, I was an adult onset swimmer. And so um, lack of lots of swim uh, representation led me to believe that I would always be a mediocre swimmer. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's not even just, you know, the cultural aspect of it. It's when you start, right? And so, I, hey, I, I'm a late adult swimmer, which means I'll never get good at swimming. Um, and that was the bias that I had, and it's not true. And so I just think that, you know, there are certain areas where culturally it's like, oh, yeah, you should be great at basketball. You should be great at these sports where you fit in a small space. I was told I should be a sprinter. And I was like, but I don't like sprinting. I like long distance running. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so then that kind of capture, you know, what you're willing to go out and try and what you're willing to go out and, and give your best to. And I think that, you know, you deserve an opportunity to give your best at whatever, whatever drives, like whatever is your passion. And it shouldn't be skewed by, you know, not having representation in that space and not, not being able to see someone perform well from your culture, your background, your upbringing, like all of those different um, areas. So, yeah, I, I culturally, I think is the, the biggest part, you know, um, we talk about, how different cultures, you know, women's roles in different cultures and how it's not even permissible in some places for you to be outside of the home exercising. And so we just have to, we have to look at all of that in the first space is let's just look at women and then we can look at these different areas of it, but it won't start and we won't get there in those different areas until we first acknowledge that, hey, women are not being served by what's currently out here in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we all recognize that, like, it's, we often repeat, like, women are not a monolithic group, right? Like, it's when we're talking about, like, we are kind of identifying, like, women as a category, but for the number of ways of being a woman in the world, there's, like, 50% of the world billion, you know, <laughs> like, it's, there are so many different ways. So like, actually, part of the process, I think, is listening to individual experiences, especially like when we're thinking about like what Stacy just said, about how like, we don't even know, we sometimes don't even know what the wrong ways are that we're doing the science, right? Like, you have to ask the question first. And the questions that you ask come out of that lived experience, like that someone like we built it in a way that doesn't serve us right? We certainly built it in a way that serves more women from certain demographics than others, right? So if we listen to the women who who really don't feel ser- well served in the current structure of sport as and fitness as it exists in our culture, then we're going to like start to be able to create new things. I, I had a, um, a feminism uh, professor when I was in university and I always remember she was like if you're ever wondering like thinking about making change on something like just ask who does this serve and that's something like if you say you're looking at a list of rules for a game you know or if you're you're looking at like I don't know the I live in a group of nine homes like strata council rules (laughs) like anything like that or even the structure like even the way your car is made right like who does this serve and then you end up 
like with the end of the answers. Like I know that the gas pedal in my car is not in a position to serve women with small feet. I can, I can tell you that right now, you know, um, and I'm pretty average sized person. So that's something that I like always use just as a lens. And I think like we need to use it too, as we're building, like as we're building even a podcast like this um, to go, okay, to be really careful too, that we're building in a way that serves as many people as we can. So from different demographics. Sorry, I went off on a little <laughs> tangent there. Um, thank you, Jamila. Um, thanks everyone for saying what you're interested in. I think it's like the overlap between all of these pillars, like the intersections are, are like the most interesting for me. Okay, we're promising our audience advice on how to get the best from their bodies. So I'd like each of you to give the best advice you possibly can um, as we launch this new podcast to our audience. Who wants to go first? I think, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, you know, I think being forward thinking and open-minded is, would be my two, my two biggest pieces because it's very, very easy to get entrenched in, you know, if you had like a good season and that worked for you and like, that is the way I'm going to do it. But you know, we're on the cusp of a lot of discovery here and a lot of greatness here and just being like open to being like, oh, maybe that is another way or maybe that will work even better. Like who knows, right? But you have to be, you know, get out of the rear view mirror and race forward and look look at what's ahead of you and just be open-minded to trying all this, all this new and exciting stuff that's coming down the line. Mm-hmm. Stacey? Uh, I'll just add to that, like... um I've worked with lots of engineers over the years in the wearable space and they always go, well, why can't I do it this way? I'm like, the body's not an algorithm. Like it melds and it changes and adapts to stress. So on the back of what Selene is saying, like with innovation, don't be afraid to try because what worked for you last winter might not work this winter because your body's adapted too well to that stress. So if you're looking at what's coming out and taking care of your body and listening to it and then implementing change, who knows what your performance potential could be? Cause we don't, we don't know what women's performance potential is because there's so many new things to come out and direct us or maybe something that came out three years ago now doesn't work for women. So it's just really paying attention and, and understanding that science is ever, ever evolving and that we aren't linear. We never have been. Mm, I love that. Okay. Can folks, if anyone has questions for our amazing panelists, write them in the chat box now. There's a bit of delay on here. So I want to have them when we're done hearing Jamila's great advice. Uh, so I saw a quote and it said, be brave enough to suck at something new. And I think that, you know, that says tons like, be comfortable enough in your skin and your ability to be okay with being bad at something at first, because some of these changes may not be comfortable and it may take you time to adapt to them. Um, and you, you need to give yourself that space and that time. Uh, we're doing the group coaching with Feisty Triathlon and we're like, hey, don't start moving stuff around the first month until you get a baseline. Because oh, like within the week? Yeah. <laughs> like first day, just move your entire <laughs> training plan. Um, but be okay with, hey, this may suck, right? I may not be good at the slow, long runs, but I know I need to do them. And when you give yourself that permission to be bad at it, then you can actually see the results of following the plan as it's laid out instead of trying to force the fast days, trying to force the heavy days. Like, 
sometimes you just need to go slow. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, that's, that's what I have. Thanks, Jamila. Um, I'm hearing a strong theme of like, listen to your body, <laughs> because sometimes even the experts don't know, right? Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. Kristen has a question. Where does the mo- most of the funding, uh, research funding come from? And how can we influence that? Uh, so there are lots of different avenues, like there's industry research, um, there are government grants, NIH, um, putting a hand up now, there's new calls for looking at menopause and perimenopause, but not in the active women's space. So really, if we're looking at small pots of money, industry, like pushing industry to fund more projects, um, and then that can feed forward into the NIH going, oh, okay, well, now there's all this stuff coming out in the active population instead of just looking at the pathophysiological aspects of menopause. Let's look at what the active woman goes through. So we start small and push our way into government funding. That's the best way to get funding dollars. Hmm. I've even, I'm even thinking, you know, there's a lot of, but there's a movement now for like more VC funding to go to women's medical mm-hmm. products or things that are coming out of that research. So I think we're going to continue to see that. Like we, we've recognized that there's a gap and when there's a gap in under, like research funding products, like whatever that is, where there's also an opportunity, right. And yeah. there's also like, it's, it can, you know, innovation then can, you know, ro- what am I trying to say? Snowball on itself. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. The one caveat I want to put out there, because a lot of people don't understand industry funding. Mm-hmm. When a company funds your research, that does not mean that you're beholden to them and the results. Mm. People go, well, how is this not biased? It was funded by the dairy board. It's like, well, the dairy board gives you money, but they aren't telling you how to do the science and they don't have an embargo on your results. And if something comes out that they don't like, it's too bad. It's like, mm-hmm. as a primary investigator, I can go back and be like, I'm publishing this anyway. So a lot of people misconstrue what industry research means with regards to the results. Mm-hmm. A proper researcher who is wanting to do sound research doesn't let where the dollars come from influence what they're doing. Yeah, that's a great point. Okay. What are some techniques you use to give yourself permission to rest? We're always so used to pushing. Who wants that one? I, I just did that today. Oh. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I think the biggest technique I use is to use it, view it as a training day. Like rest, rest days are training days. You know, so like, what do I need to optimize my performance? And I mean, today I made sure I got like really good nutrition and good hydration. And I did some yin yoga and like really moved, went through a mobility session. I'm like, I am now I'm stoked. I did, did a really good training day. It's just mm-hmm. viewing it through that lens because it is training. It's, it's just, it's the most important piece of training you probably do. Mm-hmm. It's like shifting the narrative on that. Jamila, did you? Absolutely. I'll create a plan. Just like what Celine was saying, like, don't leave that day blank and leave right. your mind right. to wonder what to do. Go into your rest day with a plan. Look at your schedule after the rest day. Okay, this is what I have coming up. Let me stretch. Let me do these different things to prepare for those hard sessions. So just use it as a day. Get your equipment ready. Get yourself ready. You know, make sure you have everything that you need to go forward and do those other hard training blocks. Great advice. Yes, I might be the odd one where I really, really enjoy high intensity hard work. And I know that if I don't rest, then I can't do it well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I need to do this so that I can go kill that interval tomorrow. 
So my rest day yesterday was zorbing and mountain biking with my family. Have you got, do you guys know what zorbing is? No. Oh my God. It's hilarious. It's this big, huge plastic ball. And they're using the old world's mountain bike course that's in Rotorua. And so you get into the inner part of the ball and it's filled with water and you roll down the hill. But the the inner ball moves. It stays stationary while the outer ball moves. So you don't go upside down. No, but you're sliding around everywhere and it's like a movable slip and slide. And so they had one that went straight down. They had one that went around corners and then they had one that did drop offs. (laughs) So you're like, boom. And it's it's kind of terrifying and really fun at the same time. <laughs> so you control it in there? Like are you, you can control the speed. No, you don't have any you can push really hard and run in it or stand up and push it forward to go faster. Or you try to brake by sitting backwards, but there's really no control inside. You're just going oh. all over the place with water. Okay, I have a new goal for twenty twenty two right now. <laughs> you gotta try that. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Do they have it in Boulder? <laughs> they might. They might. You have to look it up. Yeah. Um, Lauren's asking, will there be a menopause summit in 2022? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. We we have tentative dates, but they might change, so I can't say them yet. <laughs> but we'll, we'll announce that soon. We'll announce that soon. The fall. It will be the, in fall. the fall. Yes, it will in be the in fall. the fall again. Mm-hmm. Um, any last questions? Ask them now. Oh, how to make strength training fun. Running and cycling is my social and events world. Weights don't fit into that. Make friends in the gym. It's super <laughs> fun. <laughs> Just the way you make uh, friends. The way you make yeah. friends riding and running, you can have lifting groups too. Mm-hmm. Like I started one with a friend down the street who wasn't comfortable going to the gym. And she's just getting back into weights, but we meet every week. And then it's a couple of other people that have come. So there's like five of us that are all doing the same thing, but different weights. And it's become like our little social group. So Mm -hmm. it's fun because then you can push each other a little bit too, just like you do running and cycling. For me, it's the music. Like I put on my noise canceling headphones and I get in a zone and I just like, I will spend hours making a playlist to make sure (laughs) (laughs) and and it's the only time I'm not in the car I'm not in the house no one's talking to me like everyone's in their own space and I can really just kind of focus in on my music and myself and Mm -hmm. you know that's my piece yeah good one those are a couple great um I do I use that one for um running to Jamila, the special playlist, or if I feel like if my mind's just too active to calm down and lift by myself, if I need, if I want to, I just, um, I'll put on a podcast or something so that I like learning something, doing something else, lifting. So just like reframing, um, how I'm using that time, you know? Um, thanks for the question, Lynn. Um, how did feisty begin? <laughs> Is that maybe I should answer that question. How did feisty begin? Oh man, I think, you know what, like, how would I answer this quickly? Um, I think like Feisty began with like bringing, it was like bringing people together, right? So first we started doing like live coverage of the pros in Kona. Um, and we, we were like, oh, we're going to create some media for women in triathlon. Let's start there. Cause that's where like, that's where I was situated. Right. Um, and then when people came to me, like when Ashley, when we had Stacy speak at our outspoken women in triathlon summit. And we were like, you know, Stacy's message needs to get out into the world. Stacy's like, yeah, it does. You know, we like, 
start to go down that road. Like it's, it's when we made the goal of trying to shift the culture and try to shift that like um, cultural paradigm and make it more empowering. Like there's 6,000 ways you can, you know, you can get to that end. And so if when people have kind of joined us, um, like Celine, Jamila, like both in this category too, it's like, okay, what are your ideas about how we do things? And like, I mean, we talked about this before, Celine, about whose idea the podcast really was. <laughs> I still swear it was yours. But like, you know, what do you, what do you want to talk about? And how do we, how do you want to make a change? So then like we have the menopause brand. Um, so I think it's just evolving in that way. Like really is like just a lot of like listening and collaboration and figuring out which next steps to take. Do you all train according to your cycles? That's a good yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yep. I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like in the middle ground somewhere where I, you know, I kind of like listen to my body. Like I'm not so focused on performance right now that I'm actually trying to achieve a um, fitness goal of any kind. So instead I just kind of take the information that I know and just use it like on a day-to-day basis. Like right now, like I kind of, I don't really get a period because I have an IUD, but like, I know that I have, like, I have my period right now. I know when I, I know when it is. And then if I'm having an off day on a day that correlates with an off day in my cycle, I kind of know it. I acknowledge it. I use that knowledge to feel okay, but whatever happens in my session, good or bad, or to know when it's supposed to go strong, but I don't necessarily like track and have tons of evidence or whatever. I just find it empowering to know that information, you know, what about you, Jamila? I'm learning because I had a hysterectomy in 2016, but I still have my ovaries. So like for five years, I was like, I don't care. Um, and then I took Dr. Stacy sales course and I was like, well, now I'm trying to figure out because I still have like those moments where I'm like, ah, oh, I know what's going on here. Like this is when I would have had my cycle. Um, so I've been spending the last couple of weeks, like just trying to figure like get back in that space where I'm aware that my hormones are still cycling, no matter mm-hmm. if the, you know, whole package is still there. So <laughs> great. Yeah. Perfect. And I still train with my physiology based off of the hormonal changes that I've experienced. Okay. It's just mm-hmm. different. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Melanie, thanks for your question, Melanie. I have trouble knowing for sure how to listen to my body. How do I know when I really need to rest or if I'm just being lazy? You're not being lazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was my reaction too. Like, no, there's no, no laziness. You're not being lazy. I'm sure a hundred percent. You're not being lazy. How do your stairs feel? Like, I mean, I, I just honestly use like, how do I feel when I'm going up the stairs? You can usually tell when you actually need some real rest, you know, versus like you just have a couple kinks to work out. At least that. I can, like, if you really tune in, you can pick up those signals, but like, don't ever let yourself be like, I'm just being lazy because I don't think in this group that exists. No, no. I agree. I I think at times when we feel lazy, like it's either nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're just, we maybe haven't eaten enough or aren't well-fueled or we're actually a little bit overtired and do need to rest. Um, yeah. Or or it could be mental, you know, and you need that rest too. So, like, mm-hmm. if you're feeling tired, then there is something in your body that needs rest. Uh, so, like, rest it because 
it doesn't have to be the physical aspect. You could just, you know, have so much in your head that it's just draining you. Mm-hmm. Totally. That's I'm, more fatiguing. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm seeing this question come up again from Lynn, like, how can I trust my body versus my mind? I feel like we're, we've almost internalized, or I know I have as well, like this notion that we can't trust our own minds, right? And I don't think that's true. Like, I'm, I'm with you, Celine, when you're like, no, you're not lazy. Like, that was my first reaction to that question, too. And I feel like I learned that the hard way, too. If you beat yourself up, you're worse off right? Like you're not lazy. You probably just, it's something else just to figure out what it is. <laughs> yeah, know? totally. A hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Well, how about we all give some love for our panel and tell them how awesome they are. I've enjoyed this conversation very much. Thank you all. Okay. So as you know, we are all, the tickets also went on sale for the women's performance summit and our coupon code that is for you all for the next four days is early bird 50 and you save $50 on the annual pass, which is actually about a third off. So make sure you take advantage of that. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, because I'm going to be here every week doing this. And I, I'm hoping we'll be able to do more live podcasts as well. Okay, so I just want to thank each of you for being here. Thanks, Jamila, Stacey, Celine, for the amazing discussion and for being part of Feisty in general. I appreciate all of you. And thank you to Lindsay, Catherine, Ella, and Carrie, who are floating backstage, <laughs> keeping, us, <laughs> keeping us on track and who helped us get organized and on the screen today. Okay, do we have a winner, friends? Thank you to our audience and everyone who's here. Thank you so much for being here, for being part of this conversation. Um, Please feel free to email at any time if you want to hear about something, if you have a guest you want to suggest for the podcast, if there's something specific you want to hear. I want to hear from everyone on this, and I'm stoked to keep recording. Oh, here we go. Carrie Hicks. (laughs) Carrie Hicks is the winner of the two tickets. Yay. Do you know Carrie, Celine? (laughs) She's been commenting a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's good when we provide a little bit of extra yeah. ammunition there. Again, thank you all. Uh, looking forward to more on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. And we'll see you all in this, at the summit, March 25th to 27th.